United Nations Principles for Responsible Investment, the UNPRI, sees forestry as an industry with great potential. It considers the industry as a partner in fighting global warming and a promoter of indigenous rights. For the broader public, however, forestry is perhaps more associated with cutting tropical rainforests, open fire and wooden floors, activities that are not necessarily positively associated with ESG investment. Why is forestry an interesting opportunity? What is it all about and what does the industry produce? How does it contribute to the reduction of CO2 emission? And finally, how can you invest in it? That's something I'll discuss with today's guest, Gillian Deason. Gillian is Senior Product Specialist at Pictet Asset Management. Gillian, welcome. Hello. Hi there. Gillian, before we dive into today's topic, would you perhaps uh, mind introducing yourself to our listeners? Absolutely. I'm Gillian. I'm the Client Portfolio Manager for the Timber Strategy at Pictet Asset Management based in Geneva. I'm Norwegian by heritage, so I guess forests are at least in my blood um, or close to my heart. Wonderful. Would this interview even be possible without wood? Well, uh, the air we breathe is, is much better thanks to the forest. Uh, but I'd say my house, my desk, the paper I'm making notes on, even the clothes I'm wearing, um, that's all thanks to the forest. Right. We should be grateful. Um, well, the, the timber industry in the last years grew only by 0.6% annually since 2015, according to data from the business research company. So why is it that investors should be interested? Well, we believe that there are a lot of opportunities along the entire timber value chain, um, which accounts for around 2 trillion US dollars in terms of opportun investment opportunity set across some 200 or so companies. Um, this number of companies is growing as they spin off new ventures. Um, they're growing in terms of creating new materials and new end-use products um, as these things gain industrial scale and we use wood fiber more and more. Uh, we can look at even some of the major FMCG companies like the Nestle's and the Danons and how they have pledged billions of euros uh, for finding alternatives to single-use plastics. Uh, we can look at the Nordic countries uh, and policies on using biofuels as a percentage of fuels. Uh, we can look at the EU Green Deal and some of the uh, US Biden administration policies as well that are feeding into more sustainable industry and more sustainable lifestyles. Uh, today, we take wood for granted, uh, I say. So much of it is around us um, and so much of the things around us are thanks to a tree. Most of the time, we don't even realize uh, how much of it it is, whether it's viscose that we wear, xylitol in our chewing gum, uh, every brown box that comes to our door, uh, thanks to online shopping. All of these are thanks to wood fiber. So for us, it's, it's quite a sizable investment opportunity that is really at an inflection point for growth. Uh, you have consumer demands, uh, government policy and technology really starting to align uh, for future growth in this area. So listening to you, it sounds like there's a lot of perspective. Um, could you tell us what the industry entails exactly? What kind of products and what kind of solutions uh, should one think about? Absolutely. 
Well, if you think about the timber value chain, it's really the timberland, the forest at the heart of this. And then you have essentially the industrial applications. So how you transform uh, this forest and this raw material of wood fiber into other end products, which might be uh, construction materials for our homes, packaging uh, for those cardboard boxes from Amazon, hygiene products from toilet paper, tissue paper, masks even, uh, but also biomaterials. So these are things like biofuels, textiles, um, new forms of chemicals. Essentially, everything that we make from oil, we can make from a tree because it has a very similar molecular structure. Um, and that's something that companies are really innovating in today. Uh, so you have both the timberland, uh, the, the sort of transformation of that, and then finally all these different end products. Amazing. Uh, what is the nature of the competition in this industry? And in other words, what are the growth factors? Well, uh, some of these growth factors, um, as I mentioned, are, are really about uh, the innovation that's been happening in terms of biofuels and biomaterials and new end products using wood fiber. Um, so some of those growth areas I mentioned in terms of finding alternatives to plastics, uh, alternatives um, for packaging solutions made from wood fiber uh, that might be more sustainable, but also alternatives to fossil-based fuels. Uh, so these are really um, high growth potential areas for timber and timberland companies. Um, The champions for us uh, are going to be those with access to the raw material, to wood fiber, to the forest, and the means to transform it into these new end products. Um, Killian, we, we mentioned it in the introduction already. Forestry isn't necessarily positively associated uh, with ESG. However, since the 90s, the risks were mitigated by an advanced industry-led certification process. So what is the link to ESG investment here? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, sustainable forestry has been around for a very long time. Uh, some 250 years or so ago, foresters in Europe really developed this concept of sustainability, which is really harvesting not more than can be replanted or that can grow back naturally. Um, it's true that the industrial forestry um sector has made big step forwards, um, especially if you look at the early 1990s with the emergence of certification schemes, uh, both for their forestry operations as well as their industrial operations. Um, so closed loops in, in pulp and paper mills, for example, um, energy self-sufficiency uh, and, and so on. Um, so this has really been uh, advances we've seen uh, in, in recent decades. Uh, but most importantly is this idea that uh, we're looking at sustainable forestry. So uh, forests for commercial use uh, in areas that are highly regulated, um, not particularly ecologically sensitive, uh, where you have regulation that really upholds the integrity of the forest and you're replanting three or four trees for every one tree uh, that you harvest. Call me naive, <laughs> Gillian, call me naive. But in school, I was taught that trees lower CO2 emission and that therefore cutting them is not necessarily a good idea. How does cutting trees help us to reduce global warming? 
Yeah, I, this is a huge misconception um, in the sense that absolutely trees do lower CO2. Uh, they absorb it over their lifetime and a sustainably managed forest can actually remove much more carbon dioxide from the atmosphere over many harvest and replanting cycles because, of course, for every one tree we harvest, we replant three or four trees. Um, and you can actually optimize this carbon sink of the forest if you're managing the forest uh, rather than an unmanaged forest because younger forests grow faster, they absorb more carbon, um, and uh, at the end of the day, you have this enormous substitution effect that adds up over time because every time you harvest a tree, uh, you're giving it a second life as another product uh, in which that carbon is remains stored uh, over the lifetime of that product. So, for example, we take a tree, we harvest it, uh, we use the lumber to build a wooden house, um, that carbon that's been absorbed by the tree over its lifetime uh, will then be stored in your house essentially until it burns down. So that's a huge substitution effect um, as well of using wood products as opposed to other traditional building materials, for example, in, in that example. Um, ultimately, it's estimated that some 20% of all of Europe's CO2 emissions can actually be offset uh, by Europe's forest industry. But the key is the replanting you mentioned. Exactly. It's sustainable management. So uh, for each tree, you have an end use in mind um, when you're harvesting it. And for each tree you're harvesting, you're replanting three or four. Right, right. The UMPRI sees forestry as a growing industry that can make a difference to the S of ESG. How does forestry contribute to the social factor of ESG investing? Yeah, the, 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 the sort of environmental aspects of forestry tend to be a lot more obvious. Um, and they're, they're a lot easier to measure, I guess, in many cases. Uh, but you're also looking at forestry providing a lot of jobs in, in rural areas. Um, you're also, uh, providing land actually for things like hydro, wind, other sustainable energy products, projects for a cleaner environment, because these forest areas tend to be so huge. Um, you're also looking at um, the more general, I guess, at an individual level, the, the mental health benefits of a forest. Um, I think after having spent more than a year, many of us in our homes, uh, we're starting to see a lot more research come out of you should spend at least an hour a day outside in nature um, and, and the sort of positive effects that that has uh, on our health and our, and our well-being. Uh, so there are definitely some social uh, positives there from forestry as well. Not to mention, of course, um, the sort of more sustainable lifestyle and uh, the, the benefits of, of living in, in healthier surroundings, um, healthier uh, sort of houses, um, more ecological um, and an improved indoor atmosphere. Mm. can definitely say that the last year has changed our perspective so much, right, when it comes to this. Um, Gillian, if I were interested in investing in forestry, what should I do? You mean, how would you invest? Yes. <laughs> Give me tips. Well, uh, there, are, there are several ways in which you could potentially invest um, in 
forests or timberland. Uh, one way is uh, through the private markets. So private equity timberland would allow you access um, over time to a portfolio of timberland real assets. Um, this, however, it, it's not very liquid. Uh, you tend to have to lock your money up for 10 or 12 years at a time. Alternatively, you can go to the public markets um, to invest in timberland. So um, you have strategies that are active and you have strategies that are passive that invest essentially in the stocks of companies that manage timberlands um, or that are active downstream in the timberland value chain. So in hygiene products and packaging and so on. In the public markets, these tend to be much more volatile, but also much more liquid uh, than you would find in investments through the private markets. Um, but you're also uh, allowing for a sort of diversified portfolio really from day one. You can invest in really large timberland companies that have a very diversified portfolio of timberland across different geographies, across different tree species, um, but also across different industry segments. Um, and you have not only uh, exposure to real assets, which is that timberland portion of the forest, but also to these companies' industrial activities, um, because many of them tend to be vertically integrated along the value chain. So really, it's private markets or public markets. Right. And I'd also like to look uh, at uh, active versus passive, uh, because one of the most important competitive drivers are expense ratios, and those tend to be lower in passively managed funds. From an investor's point of view, why should they pick the active managed solution? Well, an, an active manager should be able to maneuver uh, between um, different sub-segments available to them within their investment universe over time and depending on different market environments. Um, so uh, we believe that an active management, you could actually have potentially higher value or increased value creation over the long term. Um, and you can better maneuver yourself uh, through different market cycles uh, and market environments. Um, so that's really the, the sort of trade-off, uh, I guess, for those expense ratios. So Killian, tell me, what sets your strategy at Pictet apart from the competition? Well, we're really one of the only ones in this space, actually, um, that we know of. So the only actively managed fund uh, investing in publicly listed equities across the timber value chain. It's a 13-year-old strategy run by a forester. So this is a lot more than just the numbers. Uh, we need to go look at the forest itself, see it, um, touch the soil, uh, feel it. So it, it has a very sort of personal aspect as well. Um, and I think Pictet itself, you know, we're long-term investors. We see ourselves more as partners of the companies that we invest in as opposed to stock traders. Um, we want to hold our positions over a long period of time, uh, try to help these companies improve uh, in any way that we can uh, and ultimately have try to have a, a positive contribution to, to the environment 
uh, to society and, and ultimately to mitigating some of these really major global challenges that we face today. Thank you very much, Kilian, for teaching me more about timber. Uh, final question, a bit cheesy, but I had to think of it. Do you perhaps also own a pair of Dutch wooden clocks? Because they are footwear, they're very sustainable. <laughs> I, I would love to own a pair of Dutch wooden clogs, but in the meantime, uh, I have a pair of, of vegan trainers. Uh, so they're made from cork and recycled plastic, but uh, maybe one day also I can Also a very have. sustainable solution, and that's good to hear. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for your time, Killian. Thank you. You listened to a podcast about what makes forestry an interesting investment opportunity. I would like to thank today's guest, Gillian Deason, Senior Product Specialist at Pictet Asset Management, for her time and her insights. This podcast was offered to you by Pictet Asset Management. For more podcasts, please visit the Fonts News or Investment Officer website. This marketing material is for professional investors only. It is prepared by Pictet Asset Management Europe SA. Address, Badament Solaris, Terhulp Sustainweg 120, 1000 Brussels, Belgium. However, it is not intended for distribution to any person or entity who is a citizen or resident of any locality, state, country or other jurisdiction where such distribution, publication, or use would be contrary to law or regulation. Information used in the preparation of this document is based upon sources believed to be reliable, but no representation or warranty is given as to the accuracy or completeness of those sources. Any opinion, estimate or forecast may be changed at any time without prior warning. Investors should read the prospectus or offering memorandum before investing in any Pictet managed funds. Tax treatment depends on the individual circumstances of each investor and may be subject to change in the future. Past performance is not a guide to future performance. All forms of investment involve risk. The value of investments and the income from them can fall as well as rise and is not guaranteed. You may not get back the amount originally invested. For information about personal data protection, please refer to the Pictet Group's privacy notice, available on our website, am.pictet.